0: So, our communion comes directly out of the Jewish Feast of the Passover, as many of you will know, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Passover is all to do with redemption. And redemption is deliverance at a price. And the first, one of the first great redemptive acts of God that's recorded in the Scriptures, of course, was the redemption and deliverance of the people of Israel from bondage in Egypt, to the promised land. And God himself spoke to them, or he spoke to Moses, and said, I will redeem you, Israel, with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. So redemption was right at the heart of the gospel from the start. And of course, many of us know the story. God redeemed Israel with, with mighty acts, uh, the plagues, and ultimately the death of the Egyptian firstborn. Israel being protected by the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember they sacrificed the Lamb on the night that the angel of death passed through Egypt, put the blood on the lintels of the doorway, and they were protected. And similarly, we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of Jesus. John the Apostle said, one of his first words to Jesus in public, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And just as the Passover for the, for the Jewish people was a time of remembrance and gratitude for their redemption, exactly the same for our communion here tonight. It's a time of remembrance and gratitude. Well, I have got a little bit more to say because I want to continue our Passover story just very briefly. And the idea of this is really just to show where our communions come from you know, where does the bread and wine come from? It hasn't just come out of... Is it it something we just imagined or it's something we made up a few thousand years ago? You know, but it's got roots. It's got real roots in the word of God and in the outfolding of history that God uh, has ordained. So we left it um, with uh, the initiation of the Passover feast, and it's an act and a remembrance of redemption. And Israel was instructed to keep the Passover feast... For all generations, God called it an everlasting ordinance that they were to practice year upon year. So it was fundamental to the spiritual development of God's people. Now, it wasn't always kept, as we know from our history in the Bible. Uh, Israel strayed on many occasions. Um, But under Hezekiah in the 8th century BC, there was a marvelous reinstitution. It's told in a whole chapter in 2 Chronicles explains how Hezekiah, when he brought his, in his reforms after the reign of some wicked kings, he brought reforms, he restored temple worship, and one of the first things they did was to reinstitute the Passover. And they celebrated it for seven days as God had instructed, and it was a marvelous time of celebration. 2 Chronicles 30, read it. And again, we're told that after the exile from Babylon, when some of the exiles came back, this is in the um, 6th century, around about 516 BC, the temple had just been rebuilt. And one of the first things they did was to have the Passover meal. They reinstituted the Passover. It was central to Israel, their remembrance of what God had done for them. And from that time onwards, although we're not told, I'm pretty sure it was kept nearly yearly, and certainly by the time of Jesus, as a young man, as a boy growing up in a devout Jewish family, he too would have celebrated um, Passover annually. People would have gone up to Jerusalem. We, we, we know it's a, it a great time uh, of people coming from all over the land and focusing in on Jerusalem. And of course, when Jesus started his ministry with his disciples, he would have celebrated Passover. His three-year ministry, By the time we get to the final third year, he'd have celebrated Passover at least twice, intimately, with his disciples. And so we come to his last supper, his last Passover meal. And this, in some ways, was like any other Passover. There was the lamb, there was the order, there was the ritual that had been instituted down centuries. But this Passover would be very, very different because Jesus... Invested a whole new significance into the bread and the wine that they were going to drink. And so, with that, we turn to Luke 22. And these are all familiar words. Do follow it if you want to. Luke 22, just reading down from verses 14 to 18. When the hour had come, he, Jesus, sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, we'll just stop there for a little explanation because there are actually two cups in this little bit from, from Luke. This is the first cup. And the, and the, the, the ritual was, or the, the, the order was, that there were usually four cups in a Jewish Passover. Each had a name. There was a cup of sanctification. There was a cup of plagues. There was a cup of redemption. And there was a cup of praise. And two would be taken before um, the meal and two would be taken after so Jesus, when he took the cup in verse 17, this was one of the first cups. Presumably it would have been the cup of sanctification. And that he shared with his disciples. And then comes this significant bits. Verse 19. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I was going to bring a matzah in, completely forgot. But of course, although we've got bread, what they would have had would be unleavened bread, bread without leaven, like a matzah. And you can snap it in half very easily. Interestingly, it's got stripes and holes in as well. And so I wonder whether that's symbolic of the stripes of Jesus and the holes made with his hands. It doesn't matter what it is. Bread is fine because it's an act of remembrance. But it's remembering that... The the bread that we eat is a remembrance, Jesus said, of the body that was given for you. And then we look at the next verse, verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So do you remember the third cup after the meal? The third cup was the cup of redemption. And I found it amazing that all through the centuries, this cup was known as the cup of redemption. And this is the cup that Jesus chose to pick at the Last Supper and say, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of many. So Jesus, in that simple act, in those few seconds, I don't know what the disciples were thinking. I mean, they'd been through Passovers all their lives, but never one like this, where somebody stood up and said, This represents my body. This represents my blood given for you. So this was the new covenant that Jesus was instituting. No longer an old covenant based on animal sacrifice, although that that was what God had instituted, but now something new was happening. Something new that had been promised many years ago by various prophets that that a new covenant would come where no animal sacrifice was needed But as Hebrews says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. No longer was there a need to sacrifice animals time and time and time again. Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all and was enough for every single person in the world and enough for us here this evening. So, we come to our communion service so I hope that's given you a flavor where it's come from it's a rich history that we celebrate here we've just taken small elements of the whole feast of the Passover but that's enough because it's an act of remembrance and it's an act of gratitude so the way I thought we'd do this is very simply uh just come up uh as you are I'm not going to dictate which order you're all adults we're not going to bump and crash into each other but take the bread take the wine together. Go back to your seats, eat the bread when you're sitting down, and then commune privately with the Lord, whatever you want, and then we'll take the, the, the wine together, the, or the, the, the drink together, okay? So, uh, probably the first row comes up, and then we just build back from that. Amen, yeah. Well, we're going to continue in an attitude of prayer. Um, because part of communion is fellowship together. Uh, That was part of the original idea of having a feast, getting people together in sort of joyous remembrance. We're, we're, We're gonna continue that idea of fellowship by breaking down into small groups, not discussion groups this time, but praying for each other. And I'd like you to break down into groups of no more than four or five. The reason being is that that'll just give enough time for people to say if there's any situation they'd like to pray for or maybe they just want to give thanks or there's somebody or some situation they would like prayer for. This is an opportunity to do that just in the intimacy of a small group. And we'll do this for about 15 minutes. So you have to discipline yourselves a bit because it's very easy to talk, but do get down to prayer because prayer is the stuff that does the business. And it may be you just want to give thanks. You haven't got anything specific to pray about. Well, that's fine. Then we can give thanks in a small group as well. So just where you are no no more than four or five break down into groups and then I'll bring us back at about 20 past 7. So we're going to gather together in a minute or so so just sort of start winding down your prayers. So we've remembered about redemption we've recalled God's great redemptive acts with Israel and we've recalled how our redemption has come out of that and that we're to remember with gratitude what the Lord has done. So I think we've done that this evening and use that to take away with you uh, that the Lord is always with us. Um, He will never leave us nor forsake us. Um, He has taken us this far and he will continue to take us uh, as far as he has planned for us. Our times are in his hands, the psalmist says, and uh, they very much are. So Lord, we thank you again for what you've done. Thank you for this time together, Father. May it have been pleasing to your eyes and to your ears. And now, Father, strengthen us for the week ahead, we pray. And may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his face upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.